Well, before we consider God's word, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for another opportunity, God, to learn from you. We pray that's what would happen, that any words that come uh, out of this mouth or from here would be yours, um, and God, that we would be nourished, encouraged, and Lord, above all, pointed to you, Jesus, our Savior. I pray in your name, amen. I, I have kind of etched in my mind from many years ago, um, it was a dreary, kind of windy and cold day. Um, I walked through a cemetery and I, I witnessed a scene, as I said, it's still, interestingly, I can still see it vividly. Uh, as I walked um, away from that cemetery after the service, I was walking parallel with a couple. And uh, they were a few yards away, but, but as I observed them, um, they were in heavy coats because it was chilly out, and, um, and you can see them kind of uh, just on their face was grief and sadness. And I wondered in that moment, I wonder how they're going to make through this, make it through this. It was, it was a sudden death, unexpected, and yet here was this couple, you could just see it. Uh, the, the confusion and, and just that sense of loss. I've asked that question often, how will people make it through it? I asked it when I sat with a family whose son was crushed in an accident at work and with all the beeping machines around him in that hospital room, they faced the agonizing, heart-wrenching decision of whether to pull the plug or not. They decided to do that. And I wonder, how will they make it through this? I mean, how will they get through something like that. I asked it another time as I was in a hospital with a young couple whose little toddler drowned. The dad had just left the bathroom for a moment. And as this couple faced this shock and suddenness, and of course the dad with the guilt, I wonder how they're going to make it through. I wonder where they turned for strength in each case. I wondered if they would avail themselves of all that God offers to walk them through such tragedy. You see, in each of these three circumstances, there were three different responses. The couple in the cemetery that I observed, I got to know a little bit more and observed how they leaned upon God. They went to the scriptures in prayer for comfort. I saw the family of the 21-year-old son grieve deeply, and their life became defined by that loss. They never really moved on. They tried to conjure up the energy and the strength to meet the demands that grief makes, but sadly, they were overcome by the grief and loss. I watched this young couple who lost their toddler fight regret and blame, which created distance. Distance from God and distance from one another. One tragic loss of a life led to another tragic loss, a loss of a relationship, and that couple divorced. Three different scenarios all faced great tragedies, but with three separate responses. 
And those aren't unusual responses, are they? What we need to glean from that and glean from our journeys in life, no matter where we're at, is that you and I, our own strength and perspective, we lack sufficient resources and abilities to meet life's challenges. It's not within us. Praise God, however, he meets and provides what we need. God, first of all, offers himself, his spirit he's given us to guide us, to teach us, to sustain us, to comfort us, reveal truth to us, to intercede for us. And these are sustaining and they're transforming in just a couple aspects of his ministry to us. He is the ultimate resource. But what can get overlooked in all this The Holy Spirit uses various avenues, I call resources, to strengthen us so we can endure. Even more amazing is endure with joy, which is what our series is all about, how to journey well, how to journey to an enduring joy. You see, not many consider the resources God has provided to help us persevere in the journey, especially when they're filled with surprises. When the cold winds of loss and the weight of pressures mount, often panic sets in. And when this happens, it seems we react almost reflexively in trying to face and endure them ourselves. You know, roll up our sleeves, put our head down, I'll get through this. But I must emphasize again, God always provides for our spiritual needs to help you and I endure and journey well which is to say journey with focus and passion and perseverance. I want to share a couple resources that God has provided you and myself so we can endure with joy. And these aren't just suggestions. These are essential. You won't journey well if you don't avail yourself of these resources. These aren't brand new. I didn't make them up. They're not surprising probably to many of you. The first one's the Word of God. The Bible, Scripture. You have no idea how grateful I am to see us handing Bibles out. To see Awana come, which is so rooted in God's truth and Scripture. To know Dan, when he meets with our youth, is emphasizing the Word of God and turning to the Word of God as a foundation for their future and their lives. We teach a Bible doctrine class based upon the truth of Scripture. It's a resource God has given A life-changing provision, the Word of God. Think for a moment about what you and I need when we journey through life, especially in the storms. If you were to write some stuff down, some of the things you and I would both write down that come to our minds are we need stability. We need perspective in those moments. We need freedom not to be rendered powerless and defeated. We need peace to remove the anxiety and strength for each day. We need comfort to refresh and support us. And I'm continually amazed that God's word is an avenue which brings each of these. Now we're told that the word of God is living, it's it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. You see, it's not like any other book. The Bible brings life spiritual sustenance. And when it's planted in the soil of a human heart, it has amazing power to produce spiritual life. You see, God's word brings peace and comfort 
like nothing else because God's word points to the living word, Jesus Christ, who is the answer. And as we sang, who is the only one who brings hope. Listen to the testimony from the Bible about its life-giving nature. In Psalm 19, we read of the revelation of God and the wonders of creation and nature. And then we read revealed in his word. Verse 7 through 9, we read, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them righteous. I mean, these statements focus on needed and meaningful existence, spiritual health, vitality, wisdom, perspective, and stability, all things we need. Psalm 119.45, the psalmist says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. We learn here freedom comes from believing and submitting to the word of God. Freedom the psalmist is talking about, if, you were to, if we were to do a word study on that, means f- being free from a confining space and to be brought out into a broad and open space. I mean, think about that. God's word is able to free us from the confinement of shame, of guilt, of loss, of grief, of anger, of disillusionment, and hopelessness, to name a few confinements. But when we live in the freedom of God's words, the believer is is able and free to live in the fullness of the life that God intended. We're not restricted in any way. God's word brings freedom. And the psalmist shed even more light on journeying in the freedom of God's words when he writes, I shall run in the way of thy commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. I mean, the weight of sin that brings bondage and restriction along with the cares of this world, give way to the hope offered in God's word. And if we're to live in harmony and without failing and giving up, we must have perspective. The Bible calls that light. I remember as a family, many years ago, we went to a, a cave. I don't know if you've ever visited one of them caves or caverns. And, and, and for some reason, you think in your mind, oh, I got an idea. Let's take an elevator three stories down into sheer blackness. This will be fun. I don't know what we were thinking. But you get down there and they somehow rig up these little lights and you can kind of see. But you really can't see all that well. God's word brings light into the dark caverns and caves of our experiences. That's why scripture exhorts us to walk in the light as God himself is in the light. Jesus, we're told, is the light of the world, and through God's word reveals him who shines light on our journey. It's especially needed in its dark cavern experiences, as I said. Thus we read in Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It gives perspective like nothing else. Psalmist says elsewhere, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Solomon in the book of Proverbs echoes the same truth when he writes, for the commandment is a lamp. It's a teaching, is light. You see, the light from God's word provides power to transform those who receive it. It gives the ability to see in dark places. 
It gives you and I spiritual lives to see the tragedies and our journeys through God's eyes. That's why the psalmist says, I'll never forget your precepts, for by them you've preserved my life. And witness a journeyer who's drawing on God-given resources when he writes, my soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I mean, so God's word brings freedom. It brings, it brings light. It brings comfort. It brings refreshment. The psalmist says elsewhere, my comfort and my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. He says, sustain me, my God. According to your promise, I will live. God's word provides the freedom, it provides the light of our journey, it provides the comfort we need so you and I can journey looking at it through God's eyes and gaining his perspective. It gives us strength and freedom and comfort. No life is or will be free from upheavals and the battering of storms from without and, and the inward variety, the doubt, the insecurity, the confusion, and the fears. But it's the testimony of God's word that we can find stability from him. It's the word of God we find stability. The psalmist says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Isn't that reassuring? Nothing can make us stumble if we'll stand upon the truths of God. God speaks to us through his word. It's the resource of the revelation of God which he gives you and I so we may journey well. The word of God brings the personal presence of God revealed in his speech with his creatures. So God's word tells us that the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. How? Through his word. So we learn more about God, more about God's heart through the scriptures. So I have some questions. Are you listening to what God is saying to you through the Bible? Are you exposing yourself to the truths the Bible contains? Are you reading the Bible regularly? Maybe you're visiting here from somewhere else. Are you attending a Bible-believing church to hear and study Scripture? Technology has provided many ways for us to hear and access God's Word. Podcasts, the Bible, sermons on website, Bible on CD, and a host of other avenues. I cannot encourage you enough to spend time reading the Bible. My storms and challenges and yours will become insurmountable without the life-giving resource of God's Word. As I've shared, my journal and journaling over the years is filled with a lot of stuff, a lot of experiences I recorded, but primarily it's filled with Scripture and the things God was saying to me in certain moments. And I know my health won't endure, but I I know God's Word will. Days after my last cancer diagnosis, my journal entry read this. I'm comforted by God's words to me this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It strikes me the phrase come to me is like a paternal phrase of a loving father calling a child to come for comfort, rest for a hug. I need rest. I need it where it's needed most, my soul. I need rest. A couple of days before my cancer surgery, my journal read this. As I read in Hebrews 10, I see encouragement for those who are suffering 
by way of a great promise in verse 36. For you have need of endurance, so when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I have suffered not any even close to those in Hebrews 10, or in Hebrews 11, but God calls me to persevere, for that's biblical Christianity. Each of these entries from God's word were God's words to me in the moment. My storms and yours, the challenges we face will become insurmountable without the life-giving resource of God's word. Read it, study it, memorize it, apply it. Because ultimately, again, his written word points you and I to the living word, Jesus Christ, who desires an intimacy with us. And that gives you and I all we need for eternity. Draw upon the life-giving word of God. The second one, the second resource that you and I need is prayer. We've talked a few weeks ago about questions on the journey. We looked at Psalm 13 and Psalm 13 taught us that God wants you and I to pray honestly and earnestly, even asking questions. Taking the time to pour out our heart to God is where real peace and perspective come from. I looked this past week at the devastation in the state of Wisconsin from all the extreme flooding. Cars where they used to drive are passable only by canoes. My friends who renovated a beautiful older home and a bed and breakfast now look at water partway up their home. The destruction of the storms is grievous to see, even more to experience, I'm sure. Where will these people turn? Where will they find the inner strength and resources to start over to press on? I wonder what their prayers will be like, or even if they'll turn to prayer. R.A. Torrey once said, those persons who know the deep peace of God, the unfathomable peace that passes all understanding, are always men and women of prayer. You see, prayer is the doorway to the depths of God. And he meets us in those moments. And when he does, we're strengthened. We're changed. It seems to me prayer is often looked at in a couple lights. One is a last-ditch effort. I've tried everything else. Why not? Or some self-appealing wish. Like, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'll give it a shot. And we see it often in tragedies where people have tried everything and they kind of come to the limit. They can't control it. They can't do anything. So they're like, well, I'll just try God. We'll try him on and see if he's going to work. Some people look at it that way. But our prayers are not some requests we fling at some distant benevolent deity. They're so much more substantial than that. Our prayers are first really not about us, or they shouldn't be. We should be praying for the ability and perspective to allow our lives to be lived, even in the journeying through the storms, for his glory. God for sure, in his grace, he answers us even maybe when the motives aren't right. And he gives us strength and he blesses us with perspective. He allows our lives to endure, for sure. The prayers in the Bible, and certainly what we're taught about prayer, communicate worship and adoration first and foremost. The Lord's Prayer begins 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It begins with worship and prayer. Sometimes we flip it upside down and start with give us this day our daily bread. That's not the model that our Father gives us. Prayer is so much more than asking God for stuff. Yes, it's about honesty. It's about the questions. It's about persistence. It's about emotions. And how do you miss the raw emotions in the Psalms that we've talked about? Boy, we can relate to them when we face the storms and the pressures. There certainly isn't a desperation scene at times in biblical prayers. I don't know, it just seems to me that while we're used to praying for things, and, and yes, there's a sense of desperation, the one thing that doesn't seem in our spiritual repertoire is this idea of using the storms and allowing the storms to draw us into a deeper longing for God. doesn't seem to be where we hope that they'll take us. Yet it seems to be where the psalmists long to go, that they would drive us to deeper communion with God. And this is where prayer becomes transformational. For whatever drives us to God is a good thing in the long run. For in seeking God when facing trials and hardships, we discover this peace and this love that transcends whatever we're facing. In this, like Ken Geyer says, the storm becomes our school of prayer. I mean, how do you miss it? In the, how do we not miss it in the conviction of the Apostle Paul? In Philippians, he writes this, church, writes this letter to this church in Philippi. He's in, he's in prison. He's, he has this very real possibility of facing death. And he writes, hey, don't be anxious about anything. Don't sweat it. But by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about it, guys, he says. Pray. And and when you pray, God's going to bring something, nothing short of a miracle. Peace. Peace you can't even explain. But think of the implications for those who don't pray. They miss something. That peace, the peace that God gives. Prayer is the avenue to experience that incredible peace. Now, our prayers don't need to be lofty, and some of yours might be as short as mine are at times. Lord, help. God, have mercy. Lord, I really need strength right now. Short sincere prayers at times mark our communication with God. But I think it's in those times God accepts us. He receives us just as we are. And he knows our hearts, even when our prayers aren't artistically articulated, even when they're not flowery or beautiful. Maybe he receives them especially when they're not artistically crafted. God longs for honesty and humility in our prayers. The storms help develop this attitude of prayer like nothing else. Through the years of ministry, I've had the privilege of leading services at nursing homes and assisted living facilities. I've observed countless times a very beautiful dynamic. Oftentimes that those services are those who are facing dementia or various stages of Alzheimer's. 
And when I would lead them in prayer, while there was no participation in the service, I would lead them in the Lord's Prayer, and I could see there was a moment of clarity. And I could tell by the countenance, and I could tell by the tears, this prayer was something deeply personal to them. Reminded of them of God. Reminded them of a relationship with God. You see, this prayer connected their spirit with God's presence in their lives, which transcended even the memory loss, even the physical affliction they faced. And this connection is prayer. This, is, this, this connection in prayer with God brings a connectedness and peace like nothing, nothing else. I know in my life it has been that prayer, I've experienced the peace of God wash over me like nothing else. I'm still amazed at the supernatural work of God in bringing peace to a human heart. It's accessed through prayer. And it's amazing when you consider where Paul was at. In prison, possibly facing death, that he was able to say the things he did. I remember I heard in the doctor's office this phrase. I still remember it very clearly. It came to me through prayer. Matt, you're never safer than you are right now for you're in my hands. I remember it clearly. It came through prayer. God will meet you. God will meet you in the storm. Maybe the trials and maybe the pressure, pressures might not go away. Maybe there won't come an escape, but there will come a peace. A peace for the child of God who in prayer rests in his Father's hands. God's word and prayer are individually resources provided by God, but they're never meant to be separated. Because both are communication. God's word communicating to us. And prayer are communicating to God and God communicating to us. Both are avenues of communication. Our time of reading and studying the Bible and prayer are both avenues that we both need. It's not like we choose either one of them. We need them both. And while the Bible gives direct instructions about many situations in our life, there's times it doesn't. But it does give principles, principles we can draw on. Times in our journey, Cindy and I, through this cancer, have had to make some critical decisions. What surgeon? There were two different, the first, actually both surgeries, we kind of started with one and went, I don't, let's get a second opinion. Chemo treatments, should we do them, should we not do them? Those type of decisions, difficult ones. But God's resources of his word and prayer have never let me down. I remember when I was in a hospital room shortly after my dad had taken his final breath. As I looked at the man who was a model of strength and stability and a man I loved like no other, I know who loved me, I wept, and I prayed, and I remembered God's word. I don't remember all I prayed, but I do remember an overwhelming gratitude for the dad that God gave me. And in that, my prayers took more of a form of worship. Gratitude to God that he provided for me and my family such a loving dad. 
and friend. I also remember asking God to help me be strong for my family, like he would have been, and like he would have wanted me to be. And that deep sense of loss and grief drove me to God, and actually, to be honest, still does. Dad would have wanted that, more so, that's what God desired. And that moment provided for me a rich and deeply personal time of communion with God, alone in that hospital room. You see, the storms of life which bring experiences of loss, confusion, and fears provide moments in God's word and prayer that are priceless. Treasures that God gives us. Don't miss out on them. Don't waste the storms. Draw on God's resources. And you'll journey well. You'll finish well. Let's pray. Lord, even as we bow, I'm reminded <laughs> the incredible gift we have in being able to talk to you. The incredible gift we've had even these last few moments to hear from you. How can it be, God, that you, a living God, the one true God, would allow us, a sinful people, to have communion with you. How is it, God, that we could approach your throne and we find grace, we find help, especially in the storms and our times of need? Lord, we are beyond words grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for us and rose from the dead that we may approach that throne. We praise you for your life-giving word. You tell us your words are life. They provide for us what no other book ever could. For they are your words. They are God-breathed communication to us. And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who sit in this room. Some I know are facing really, really difficult storms right now. God, have mercy on them. I pray their times of Bible reading would be so rich and so deep and so sustaining and strengthening to them, God. I pray, God, as they bow in prayer, that your peace, which passes all understanding, would flood over them. That your comfort, God, would be unmistakable. Lord, not only would you help each of them to be sustained and comforted right now, but Lord, help them to journey with strength and joy. You are a good God. All you do is good. Thank you for being so good to us and giving us your word and allowing us to come in prayer. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.